It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Right, back here, 4 o'clock hour, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company. If you want to watch the uh, web stream, we're live up on ESPN uh, Las Vegas Facebook and also at Steve Cofield. Why would you especially want to watch live today? We've got the bikini tug of war going down here at the Plaza Pool, downtown, 5th floor of the plaza nice shady day now as the sun is uh, dropped behind one of the towers of the plaza and again bikini tug of war so uh, check it out it's a really cool event steve's here it's his summer tour super intense super intense for the event and we've got eight different teams of ladies three woman teams Ooh, just someone just got battered there that got aggressive boy once you start sliding the wrong way because the uh the wet deck here uh, is wet, so it's a little bit slippery. Kind of seeing what strategy they're going with. Last year, we had some ladies actually wear sneakers. Uh, there's some flip flops there. Yeah, some uh, some swim shoes. A little extra grippage. We'll have to get an update on who's winning. I know uh, Peppermint Hippo was outstanding last year. A uh, wild card entry at the end was Buffalo Wild Wings, but I'm doubting that it's the same Buffalo Wild Wings team that I think is the greatest tug of war group in the history of Steve Sears Bikini Tug of War. That was over at the Hard Rock, and they were yoked. They were young. They were yoked. A lot of power. A lot of power on that team, Damon. So right now we have the competition going down. Come on down. First beer is on Steve Sears here at the Plaza on a Tuesday. Another special show here on the road. All right, let's get to the big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number Four. All right, we take a break from the. I almost said uh, Freudian slip there, the Brett Favre funeral, but uh, Jets fans got a uh, a full campaign of Brett Favre. They got a full four plays out of Aaron Rodgers. We'll have more updates on uh, Rodgers and the impact on the NFL, the impact on the AFC East a little later this hour with Sammy P from Nesson. Our gambling expert. This one's really interesting. A little basketball to start the Big Four. Uh, Damon, you were asking, does the NBA need a rest policy? So what's going on with their new policy they're trying to push through? Yeah, they're, they're expecting to hold a vote where it's just where the star players, where teams just can't rest them. Under the current, uh, this is straight from the article from The Athletic, under current discussions among team and league personnel, a star is defined as someone who has made an all-star or an all-NBA team in the past three seasons and it's uh, keeping these guys from resting on national games but why should the league have to dictate this who, who are you to say that hey he's not injured right now 
I don't. I know it's well. You could just base it off of he played. La- he played yesterday. He can't be that hurt. You know, but it's why should the league dictate this? I think they have to. I, again, I don't know how they police it. I don't know how they justify. Hey, that's a. You know, is that a real injury or not? Um, I do think they need to push back on the excessive resting because a lot of the resting is in back-to-back situations and it's this load management stuff, which I don't really know 100% on the other side that organizations can back up that it works. I don't know that playing 82 games or 78 or 75 leads to more injuries. Maybe there's some studies out there that I haven't seen. I haven't seen them. But, Demond, you have to admit, the league has to do something, and I'm very pro player, and I generally do not side with leagues and I do not side with commissioners, but the NBA is getting a really bad rap for – Hard to explain absences, and it, and and it's. I know this is for TV, uh-huh. uh huh. But there's also the the local crowd. I mean, there are some people because of ticket prices in some of the biggest leagues in the United States who can't afford to go to many games. And if this is the one game they buy a ticket for, I don't think. Sorry, you knew the risk. Tough luck. That is not the way to keep a fan base and cultivate more fans. I know it's tough, and I know this comes off as something that's. You know, putting your thumb on the players, but the league does have to do something to improve the rate of play from their best players. Further down in the article, it asks the question, will it work in curbing load management? Of course not. It goes on to say more things, but this is a a rule that's designed to affect a team like the Clippers. We want to see Kawhi Leonard play more, Paul George. But at the end of the day, isn't winning the most important thing? And if teams think that this is what's going to get them a championship at the end of the day... Who is the league to say no? Are teams right? Have they been proven right? Is that why Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard keeps getting injured? Or how effective were they last year when they rested a bunch? Not, not, not very at, all. at the end, right? So I don't know where the proof is on the other side that it actually works. And, again, I'm not comfortable with having the league tell guys, hey, you know what, we don't believe you're injured. You don't believe you have a little bit of a tweak. But, I mean, the other thing is, and I guess I shouldn't be like this. I should be on the side of the union and the players, but – Sometimes you just have to tell players and organizations, hey, listen, TV controls this whole thing now. You want to be a multi-billion dollar league? They're the bosses. Like, I'm not happy with everything that's happening in college football. I don't like conference chaos. I think it sucks. Traditions going out the window sucks. You know, being able to make as much money as you can on the TV and college side and, you know, people are not comfortable with the players, I think that sucks. But in the end, TV does control everything. And, and that's who they answer to. Number three. All right, is the gang coming back together? Well, it's not really <laughs> accurate because I don't think this gang was all together, but um, LeBron apparently spurred on in the end by what USA just did in the FIBA World Cup. I guess had been thinking about this before. It looks like LeBron is going to be the ringleader to bring some of the best players back for one more major run. Do you like this? I love it. For all the comic book fans, this is the Avengers assembling. Go DC. The bat symbol is being lit in the sky for Team USA, and LeBron is answering the call. Dylan Brooks, no more 40-point games for you against Team USA. LeBron was disgusted by what he saw. (laughs) And he said the next Olympics, there's going to be some brothers in Paris, and they're going to take back what's ours. How about, the, how about the dominant, and we were talking about bringing the, the uh, gang back together for the Olympics. This was the World Cup. But how about everyone looking around and they're like, wait, USA just lost 
um, to a team led by Dennis Schroeder and Franz Wagner. What? Hey, and, they went, and they went on to win the title against Serbia. But, like, come on. The greatest generation didn't die for this. <laughs> is there is there an arrogance, too, though, by USA that, hey, a bunch of the old guys can come together and win? What if they lose? Oh, oh man, we'd... I don't know what we do. Oh, my God. We'd have to dismantle the program. Uh, it would be the happiest day in the lives of many of the talking head people uh, on TV and, and radio haters of guys like LeBron. That LeBron winning the Olympics with another, you know, dream team three, a USA star-laden team, there will be more pressure on LeBron to win that one than anything else in his career. There's more at risk for that than anything that's happened in the past. Number two. They lose, and you are dead meat. The entire legacy gets wiped out. All right, give me the significance of this one, Devon. I saw that uh, it's official now. UFC and wrestling, WWE, is under a new uh, corporate header, TKO. What does this mean that, you know, basically, um, I don't think figuratively they're in the same office, but they're linked together now. Is that good for fight fans? I think it is going to be good for fight fans. There have already been talks now that we see this endeavor and WWE merger that, hey, maybe they could do some weekend events where the UFC, well, let's just call it TKO, the new company, where TKO can just, you know, hold down a city for an entire weekend. I mean, who says no to that? Where they said in the press release that we hope that WWE fans become UFC fans and UFC fans become WWE fans. Ooh, interesting, though. What's your take on what the situation has been with the two fan bases? Uh, I think that one fan base thinks that they're better than the other, and it's the UFC fans who think that we're too good for this stuff. We're too hardcore for this. And um, who uh, makes more money? That's that's all I'll say. When it comes to holding your nose up in the air at somebody. Who does? The WWE. I'd rather be a top star in WWE than be a top star in the UFC. You have to work more dates, yes. But being on that main roster, being a top guy on that main roster, getting those merchandise sales, you know, having that guaranteed million, million plus a year, whatever you're making at the top guy status, and you're not begging Uncle Dana after a, after a win, I need that bonus. Number one. Number one. Well, I think there was a lack of objectivity with our last guest, Danielle McCartan from WFAN, when I was oh. pumping up the Dolphins basically not impressed by what the Dolphins did against the Chargers. I thought I, I thought that was super impressive. I think the Chargers are going to be a pretty good team. Listen, both teams don't have great defenses, but her statement when she said uh, defenses win championships, this is not 1978. Like, you have to have a decent defense, but in the end, your offense can take you. I mean, the team that is basically favored the next 10 years with a healthy Mahomes to win the Super Bowl, it's the Chiefs, and it's because of their offense. So the Dolphins absolutely now are the favorite in the AFCs, and this is not an overreaction. Um, The Bills stuff and the way they played last night has been coming for a while. This has been developing for a while. So I downgrade the Bills pretty good after week one. I upgrade the Dolphins. Uh, With Zach Wilson at the helm of the Jets, they're a seven or eight win team. It'll be a miracle to get to nine or ten. They're just going to have to be so vanilla, and I I do not believe in – Zach Wilson's leadership, and I don't know. I saw Tony Romo over the weekend talking about, well, it's not going to be that bad this year for the Patriots. What does that even mean? So not that bad <laughs> means they're not going to win five games. They're going to win seven. Maybe. I, I don't – I don't. that's a team I don't buy because, again, 
defense in 1978, won championships, but you need a great offense, and Mac Jones with no weapons is not a great offense. And I'll go back to what I said about, what, 40 minutes ago, about the Bills and their weapons. I still don't think they have a very good running game. And then Diggs was off. Diggs, like, could not do more last night. Who else do they have who can catch the ball? Who's a threat as a number two option? Steve, I want you to see my hand out on the live stream here. Mm-hmm. I want you to get all in on two and on, because two of her MVP. Yeah. You know, how about me well, and you split a, split a fifty piece, a hundred dollars on two of her MVP. Put your hands in. I will. I'm not putting my hand in it's because <laughs> um, I will let you follow up, and I don't have to let you do anything. You will. You can follow up with Sammy P. Um, Sam's going to give us a dope on Tua for MVP. It's too late. Like, while it's fun to make the bet and be like, I'm jumping on board now, he needed to be on board five days ago because Tua was sitting at 25-1. to 1. He's already been bet down at many places inside of 10-1. to 1. You can't do it. Like, at 25-1, to 1, even like 18-1, to 1, I'd still be in, but 7-1, to 1, eh. The best kept secret is now gone in the NFL. I bet well, Mike McDaniel's shot for coach of the year, too. I should have believed he was taking jujitsu. I knew it was going to work out. <laughs> uh, this hour, we're live at the Plaza Bikini Tug of War. Looks like uh, we have an announcement on the way back of uh, who's in the finals and who won. But this hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, offices in Reno and Henderson and Las Vegas. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. All right, moving towards the halfway point of the show, hanging out at the Plaza Pool, live show for Steve Sears 2023. Bikini Tug of War. We have a winner. Peppermint Hippo. Peppermint Hippo. I watched them throw the other ladies around with that rope like they were ragdolls. I couldn't exactly keep track, but every time I looked up, they were dumping the other women into the water. That was a strong team. So we'll try to get them on in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, right now, though, let's get into a little Nevada football. We've got a little while to go, Steve, a little bit, a little bit. We have, uh, we have multiple guests coming up, so in about 10 minutes, okay? Uh, let's bring in Shannon Kelly from Nevada Sportsnet. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm, blo- I'm blocking other guests for you. What's going on? Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, it's going good. Thank you for having me on, as always. What is it like right now in Reno weather-wise? Oh, man, Reno weather-wise, right now it is 85 degrees, sunny. A little cloudy, yeah. A nice little uh, summer slash fall day. I don't know right. what we want to call it yet. <laughs> right. No, well, maybe next year I'll roll the dice. We'll bring a bikini tug of war up that way and do poolside. Uh, and then with my luck, it'll be 38 degrees. Uh, yep, sounds about right. Probably so. <laughs> Top seat <laughs> weather. Here, you never know. <laughs> All right, this is a very – it's a weird show today because we're, we, uh, we love doing these outdoor events at pools and we have all these dancers out here doing a tug of war. But the, the Cofield & Company show today has been kind of – like up and down between happiness on this and and depression because I'm a big Jets fan, so I was looking forward to Aaron Rodgers. Um, Before we get into the Nevada football situation, and that's become incredibly difficult, um, just as a sports fan, a sports viewer, a sports broadcaster, what do you think of what happened last night with Rodgers? And then the game turned, I mean, the Jets wind up pulling off Mm -hmm. an upset over the Bills. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was just, 
I mean, great to see that the Jets were able to come back, you know, and get the win there over the Bills. Like, how, what a way to start off the season. But at the same time, like, how, how sad and how depressing if you're a Jets fan. And I think even, you know, from my perspective, just being a sports broadcaster, you know, loving sports, that's terrible. I mean, you hate to see it for somebody who's, you know, played the game for so long. And, you know, to be able to have this fresh start now with a new team and to go down so quick and it's practically over before it started. I, I haven't even finished watching Hard Knocks yet. So, Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you didn't finish watching it. episodes left. So. Well, but, yeah, that'll be. For Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I feel terrible for him. I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, well, that'll be kind of surreal. You'll watch the end where everything is sky high and they're like, hey, let's, you know, go off to a great season here knowing that. Rodgers really never got to play. How bizarre. Yeah, very weird. Very really, weird. Really weird. Um, did you check around the NFL to see how some of the uh, Wolfpack alum had done this weekend? I know, you know Cole Turner's got some opportunities now at tight end. and I. Mm-hmm. So you tell me what's going on in terms of some of the alums, recent alums, uh, before we get to what's going on right now, because Jay Norvell had some really talented players who are trying to make their way in the NFL. Yeah, you look at Cole Turner, his second year now with the Commanders. Uh, he had a handful of catches on Sunday. He saw some time. He had a, a nice catch, uh, definitely, there in the game one in particular. Uh, so hopefully he can kind of find his rhythm. He had some injuries last year. And then also Romeo Dobbs, he had two touchdowns for Green Bay's first touchdown of the season. Awesome to see that, really, for him. Uh, you know, this is a guy, too, who works really hard just like you know Cole did at Nevada here um the two of them together playing for the Wolfpack at the same time but Romeo had a two touchdown game the first of his career so pretty awesome uh, to see that for the two of them and then there's some other guys too you have Joel Batonio you know he enters his 10th season in the league now this year and um so he's there but uh there's still a couple guys that injured Austin Corbett with the Panthers you know still recovering from that torn ACL there in the uh, season finale last year. So hopefully he'll see some time. And then Dayon Henley and Elijah Cooks, two other Wolfpack former guys, uh, were not active for Sunday's game. So, yeah, but there's still a handful of them to look out for during the season. Shannon Kelly, Nevada Sportsnet, is with us. She covers the Wolfpack scene, covers the local scene in uh, Reno and Sparks. So what is it like to talk about some of these players of recent days and then – Watch what's going on right now. I can only imagine what the market is thinking, what Wolfpack fans are thinking. This is a football program with rich history, and it just feels real bad right now. Yeah, it's it's really tough, and it's really sad to see, uh, you know, that things unraveled, really. As I mentioned, Cole Turner and Romeo Dobbs, those guys played here two years ago in 2021. So to see how quickly things have shifted and you know the Wolfpack riding the longest losing streak now in program history at 12 games after that loss to Idaho uh, to be you know kept away from the end zone on your home field and you know that's now the third time that's happened in uh two seasons last two seasons just really uh tough right now but still a lot of season left to you know fans to try and be optimistic what was the environment like against Idaho like how First of all, how big was the crowd, and then what happened with the crowd? Is It was clear they, they were just going to struggle this game. Yeah, I mean, there was about 20,000 on hand, the most out of Ken Wilson's tenure so far. So I think that was really, you know, promising to see that fans are buying back 
into Wolfpack football despite the 2-10 and season last year. But I think fans stuck around through halftime. But after that, it, it quickly started to, uh, you know, uh, file. You know, fans started to file out. Um, but, uh, yeah, just uh, tough to see that there was, you know, so much hype and such a great crowd, really, from the start that, hey, this thing, you know, could be something special on Saturday. And then it just unraveled really so quick. How do you- All right. Oh, go ahead, Demond. No, I was going to say, because I'm very surprised by the attendance that came out for last Saturday's game. Is there any way that you think the team could maybe maintain that despite a loss, but still keep the fans coming? I think, you know, if there's progress week over week, now Kansas comes to town this week and they're almost, I think, a four-touchdown underdog. So I think, yeah, it's a 7.30 kickoff. Probably not going to be nearly as many fans for this one, but if there's at least progress in this game and it looks different than what last Saturday did, obviously a much higher caliber opponent, but um, I think if there's progress, then, hey, maybe things could turn around in the next few weeks. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, Shannon Kelly, Nevada Sportsnet is up with us here on Cofield and Company. So what's the vibe been uh, post-game and then early in the week with Coach Ken Wilson? Yeah, I mean, after the game on Saturday, Coach Wilson not not happy about it. You know, he said we got outplayed, we got out schemed. He he called his guys fragile. He felt like there was a fragility to his mm. team right now, and then followed that up on Monday, and, and he felt like, hey, these guys, all of them haven't gone to battle together yet, and they're still learning and, and bonding and building that bond together. Um, when we asked him about it again on Monday, and you know, I mean, he said he's still optimistic, and as he as he should be. You know, he said he's with those guys all the time. He's with his coaches. You know, they're obviously putting in the work. We're not we are not at practice every day to see that. Neither are the fans. But it's not like they're not going out there and not trying. Of course, they're trying. But now it's just a matter of hey, when is something going to click? It's you know they're bound to get a win somehow sooner than later. But we just don't know when that when that is and when things. You know, we'll start to click on all three phases. I saw Jay Norvell, at least in the short term, already pulled the plug on Clay Millen. So uh, their younger quarterback is going to get the start this weekend for CSU against Colorado. Talk about walking into a buzzsaw. What's the indication with Wilson on the quarterback situation? Because there have been moments early in the season where Bianco's look pretty good. Yeah, so on Saturday, uh, Lewis took a couple big hits there, and he said, you know, they left in Bianco at that point because he was doing well. You know, he had some, a couple good drives there that they left him in for and was starting to move the ball a little bit. So, um, But I think we're still going to see Lewis, uh, you know, start on Saturday. I think so. I think, you know, maybe we'll see Bianco a little bit more, maybe, as time goes on. He has looked pretty decent for a redshirt freshman the last two games. Hasn't had a whole lot of in-game experience yet. He made, you know, a freshman mistake there throwing a pick on Saturday. But um, I think we're still going to see Lewis for for a bit. Um, but it's still so early that it's tough to say, really, at this point even. You know, I think it's, a lot of spots are probably still up for grabs slash where things change is going to be made as the weeks go on. So explain to me why I was going to say the run game isn't working, but it, it, by the numbers it kind of worked. But mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of carries. Uh, both of the lead running backs, I think, had nine carries, but, you know, averaged around four, eight a carry. So I know they were down at the half, but the margin wasn't gigantic. Are there some people in Reno who are like, listen, coach, you got to be more dedicated to the run, especially if your defense isn't great? 
Yeah, and, you know, in the first half, too, it was interesting because they rushed for, I want to say, more than like 100 yards, and they did look pretty good. They had little spurts there. They just couldn't put together a full drive. But then in the second half, it just feels like they just went flat. They just couldn't get anything going. And we've said, you know, the line, the offensive line is young. That's, you know, something that's, that's factual, that they have a young offensive line. A lot of guys still trying to really come together. But, um I think that was a little promising there in the first half, you know, to see what they could do to put up 100 yards. That's something they haven't done in a half in a while. But uh, now it's a matter of, you know, how can they move forward and show progress? Last one. We got about uh, 45 seconds here. Give me your read on the Steve Alford schedule. I hate to start looking ahead already to men's basketball, but it kind of feels that way. Uh, Schedule release. How did it look? I think it looked. Decent. I think there's a game up at Washington that that's going to be, you know, you're playing a, a Pac-12 team. You have, you know, you're taking on Drake down at the Dollar Loan Center there in Henderson. You're heading over to the Diamond Head Classic. You're going to see some NCAA tournament caliber teams there. Uh, you'll play Hawaii for a game. So um, maybe not too many home games that Wolfpack fans maybe would have liked to have seen here in Reno. Uh, but I think certainly... Uh, it should be a pretty decent non-conference slate as uh, things that'll get started here before we know it. If you want to follow uh, coverage of Nevada Sports, Shannon, tell people where you are up on Twitter. We're over on Twitter at Nevada Sportsnet and at Shannon Kelly underscore TV. Awesome. Great spot as always. We'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Hey, thank you guys as always. Vegas native Shannon Kelly up in Reno covering Nevada Sports will come back. Second half of the show is on the way live at the Plaza Pool. You know that that relationship and that uh, that partnership is is what it's all about. So we're lucky that that we have gotten to do it this long. Um, and I think we only break the record if we finish the year. So uh, <laughs> we haven't broken it yet. And we, you know, it, it's ESPN. We could be fired tomorrow. Wow, strong. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's. Uh... <laughs> Wow. Especially with jokes like that, Joe. The first thing that jumps out is too soon, but all right, we'll move on. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. That was a good bite from Joe Buck. Well, he is a uh, he's a high-level smartass, is he not, Damon? But he's also worth tens of millions of dollars, so he can do whatever he wants. He's so Teflon. Kind of taking a shot at ESPN for uh, firing a bunch of people. All right. So the Bikini Tug of War is over. Spirited competition. You guys are watching. Yes. Uh, Laura Lee is here with us. And Heidi from Scalp Inc., LV. You guys are one of the backers of the event. First of all, what do you think of the competition? My gosh, they came in fierce, man. We did not <laughs> yeah. think that they were going to be that competitive, but they definitely showed some skill. Yeah. Right? There was, yeah. there was one group that was... Well, and they ended up they taking won. the whole... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They stood out amongst the rest. Yeah. yeah. Peppermint <laughs> Hippo. Every time I looked up, so, I just saw women flying oh, yeah. towards them and like almost no challenge. Uh, no, yep. That's what it looked like to me, too. Yeah. There's a whole just technique. dragging them. There's a, they were dragging them. Oh, yeah. There's a whole technique to this. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't be good at it either. So I, I, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. yeah. My upper body strength isn't, you know, quite there. You know, right? Well, those, you know, they have to... They got to exercise. They got the they the pole work. work. Exactly. So they have that. Underrate that. They're high level (laughs) athletes. People don't. I I could do a whole show on this. We used to do a lot of a lot of uh, gentlman's club uh, shows, and we used to marvel at the climbing up the the uh, the pole. All right. So let's talk about Scalp Inc. and what you guys have cooking the last three weeks. Last time we saw you, I know you got at least one person uh, who signed up for it. So again, tell people what it is. It's an alternative to uh, traditional hair replacement. 
Yeah, so it is an alternative to uh, traditional hair replacement. What this is is a cosmetic tattoo. We're replicating hair follicles one by one in the form of a cosmetic tattoo to give you a thicker, fuller appearance looking um, hair. All right, so, so yeah. the customer who came in, what was the situation? So he actually, he had hair. He just needed to, he just wanted to fill it in, make it look a little bit fuller. But he had a good amount of hair, so we just went in and did the S&P throughout his whole head and just made his, his hair look a lot thicker and fuller. So And this is yeah, past tense already. You're like, it's done. Well, no, so he came in for his one, or sorry, his one appointment. He still has to come back for three more. So this is a building okay. process. It's not just one and done type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really cool. Um, he heard us at the gym, so you know that was awesome. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Good. So we know that you have fans out there. I that's know, for sure. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate that. <laughs> that's the least we could do is get you at least one customer. We want to get you more. Scalpinklv.com, uh, Scalpinklv up on Twitter as well. Um, after we did the spot last time, someone asked me the question: What happens when you start? Because you know, clearly, guys who are losing their hair, women who are losing their hair, it may—it's a process. It could be you know, more loss in the future. So then what happens? I mean, it, it goes on a grayscale, right? These pigments are on a grayscale if it's uh, black. If you're turning gray, that's always, I feel like, primarily the number one question. They're like, what's my scalp going to look like? And it's if you're going to turn salt and pepper, like, it's actually, it's going to look better because it's actually really? giving you more. Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Almost looks like a permanent dye job in a, in a sense. Right. Semi-permanent. Yeah, because yeah. I was wondering as I get grayer, if I get this, and all of a sudden I'm going to have this, like, you know, brown no. hair in the middle, like, hey, so now he's now he's wearing just a small toupee or yeah. a yarmulke. No, it just look, <laughs> it just looks like you have more pepper than salt, really. Okay. As far as the hair yeah. color goes. Well, that's a good yeah. thing. All right, so what's what's the hope for the company the next year or so in terms of building and you know branching out, getting getting out there more in Vegas? Geez, two locations. We're starting training soon. Okay. Um, so that's really important for us just to get the word out yeah. more about the brand and what it is because there's still a lot of people that have not heard about scalp micropigmentation and just what a great solution it is for hair loss. And last 30 seconds, if people want to find out more, uh, going to the web is one thing, but they need to come in and see you, right? Ideally. Or we can do... Uh, a uh, phone consultation, like a okay. Zoom or whatever, something like that, if they're not in town, if they're not local in Las Vegas, because we do have a lot of people that travel from out of state. Okay, yeah. so tell people how to get in, in touch with you guys. So you can call us 702-720-1798. Our Instagram, we're constantly posting things. It's Scalp Inc. LV. And then our website, scalpinklv.com. Yeah. Awesome. I yeah, appreciate it. So and thanks for, for taking time. part in this. Yeah. It was a really thanks cool day. Thank you so much us. fun. Thank Excellent. you for having Excellent. us. Thanks All right, we're coming back. Too. Plaza Pool. We are uh, poolside in the cabana. we got more guests on the way, including gambling expert Sammy P. up in less than five. The Rebels are back home as they host the Vanderbilt Commodore Saturday starting at 3 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM, KWWN, Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, rolling on here, poolside on a Tuesday. My God, a lot to get into. With the National Football League, recapping week one from a gambling standpoint and looking ahead to week two and certainly college football. Sam, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Cabana boy? How is it out there? It's good. It got a little bit shady. It's like, uh, let's see, 95 degrees. I'm looking at the uh, plaza sign and Circa across the street. So always a good time doing a show at the pool. Well, you deserve it, my man. Speaking of Circa, I, I know I texted you this. How does somebody put $1,000 down on Survivor and not 
put in a pick. That happened 31 times it's so crazy. this weekend in Circa Survivor. I mean, man, it must be nice to not care about losing a thousand bucks like that. But of the 9,267 entries, grand prize $9.2 million, 31 people just said, eh, I'm not putting in a pick. I wonder if uh, Circa could specify behind the scenes like how many of those were multi-entries. But if you had multiple entries, why would you let one just kind of piss away? You know, like you'd be on top of it. So <laughs> these are all no one-offs? One, one entry, 31 people, or like, oh, I forgot. I could see, well, see, I, I was about to say I could see a couple people, but I'm in the Survivor, and there is no freaking way I'm not right. getting a pick in. You literally had the entire summer to put in a pick. Yep. Yep, for week one. Um, so <laughs> was there anything devastating in week one that knocked a bunch of people out? Because, I mean, the Commanders and Cardinals was pretty close to freaking eviscerating this contest. That would have been about half the pool if the Washington Football Academy would have <laughs> lost to the Arizona Cardinals. I'm sorry. I, I don't say the C word. I just can't. Um <laughs> <laughs> Another big one was the Vikings going down, which our buddy the bartender had. He laid five, five and a half with the Vikings. So 1,000 people went out on the Vikings. 600 people went out on the Seahawks to the Rams, which was sort of surprising. And then 141 on the Broncos, and then we're into the double digits, 68, 33, 30. Um, three people picked the Texans over the Ravens, apparently. Um, so we're on to week two with – 20% of the pool already gone. 1,900 entries out of 9,200. What do you think of this week's card for Survivor? Well, there's two obvious ones. The first one I think you know is to go against the Jets. But I, I'm not going to do that, man, because that defense is very good and defense does win games. Let's not ignore that they turned over Josh Allen four times. <laughs> you know, yep, yep. we give all this credit to the, you know, this and that. And it's like, no, well, the defense really did everything. Zach Wilson was okay. The defense was an A or an A plus. So that's the obvious one if you take Dallas. But I'm not I'm not going to bet against that Jets defense. The um, second game is Buffalo. Just going back to Buffalo after that loss on Monday night. You know, we also give credit to the Jets. The Jets are a good team this year. Buffalo laying nine and a half at home against Vegas. You are sort of an expert on this game. I mean, are the Raiders going to pull it off on the road? I don't think so, but I also I think the Bills have some problems, and this isn't a, a one-week reaction. I mean, this is, there's some stuff with that team going back to last year. I mean, what do you think of Josh Allen's play now over the last, I mean, really, it goes back to probably ten games. He's been this guy who just gambles. I mean, these throws are super risky. He's throwing them into double and triple coverage. He is saying that my arm is better than your defense, basically, <laughs> and that's not exactly true. And then the reporters after the game were like, hey, this is the same old guy we saw at the end of last year. This is the guy that, that has lost every overtime game he's ever played in. I know that five games is not a big sample size, but Josh Allen is 0-5 in overtime games, and that's because he doesn't care about the football in overtime. He just... You know, he's just winging it around. I think you're sort of on to something because Buffalo, when they fired the D.C. last year after losing, they've had some changes. Obviously, Brian Dable left. That offense has not been the same since he became the head coach of the Giants. You need to have good coordinators to win in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. And they have, they have yet to replace those two with success. That being said, I don't want to overreact to Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, or Josh Allen all losing week one. It's just the way it goes sometimes. I mean, the Bills were a two-and-a-half-point favorite. 
the Bengals were a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and the Chiefs were a four-point favorite without Travis Kelsey. So I, I think those three teams are going to be okay, but I, I don't know that Buffalo is Super Bowl good as currently constructed. Like, they're going to have to make some moves here. What division, and I know it's only one weekend, but this is what we do on Sports Talk Radio, what division do we need to recalibrate our thoughts on is it the AFC North where, hey, the Browns really may be in the mix? Or is it the AFC East where all of a sudden you're like, well, the Dolphins with a healthy Tua, they look freaking awesome. I have McDaniel 20, 23 to 1 to win coach of the year. So I hope the Dolphins win the division and go 13 and 4. That's my bias. That's where my money's at. Um, to answer your question honestly, though, it's got to be the AFC North. And I'll tell you what, man, I went back and watched the second half of that game, Cincinnati and Cleveland. I don't know how much you saw of it. Cleveland ate Cincinnati's offensive lunch or yep. offensive line for lunch. I mean, they, they dominated the line of scrimmage. And if that defense can continuously bring pressure against opposing quarterbacks, the Browns are going to be very live to win that division. I still think Baltimore is the cream of the crop. Pittsburgh is always in the conversation. They've never had a losing record under Mike Tomlin. And the Bengals have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But Cleveland Browns are a team last year that got basically nothing out of Deshaun Watson. I remember you and Adam Hill were basically saying, like, this, he looks awful. Well, if he, if he plays the way he played this past weekend and that defense does what it does, nobody's going to want to face Cleveland in the AFC North. Sammy, I've got to ask, I love that you have that bet on Mike McDaniel to be coach of the year, but is it too late for me to put a little money down on Tua for MVP? Is it too late? I don't think it's too late. I, I, I don't know what you'd be waiting for at this point, though, because, you know, the number, you could find an 8-1 to one in Vegas. Obviously, that's come down substantially, but let's say he comes out and carves up a Belichick defense and throws for 325 and three scores. That number's going to keep running. There's also a six in the market at FanDuel. There's a 650. There's a seven. So, yeah, I would say if you want to bet Tua, I mean, you're going to be on one of the last cars on the train. But it's okay as long as you know now that you're like, if you're having that conversation with yourself, you have to make the bet like right now. Because if you wait until this weekend and say, well, let me see what he does, and he goes bananas again, then you're going to hate yourself. I, I don't think it's a bad bet because I think when he's healthy, the schematics of that offense are insane. They have so much speed and skill, and you can't possibly guard both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. As long as he stays on the field, buddy, I think he's he's got a chance to definitely put up some numbers in Miami. And when it comes, yeah, Demon. And then with Tyreek Hill, is there anything that it's? I, I want to say too late again, but for Offensive Player of the Year, is it already just gone? That it's 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 a far gone conclusion, Tyreek Hill. It's not a far-gone conclusion. Let me raise you Offensive Player of the Year at 9-1. to You can get MVP for 100-1. to Obviously, you know, quarterbacks usually dominate this award, but we've seen some receivers do it in the NFL. It's not out of the question. If he can break the receiving record and, you know, he's already on his way. I mean, obviously, there's a long way to go, but when you come out of the gate and get 200 yards, if you play 17 games – you know, you need you need two thousand yards. He's already he's already got two hundred, so he's only got eighteen hundred more to go. And I say that lightly. If he breaks that record and catches, I don't know, fifteen touchdown passes, how does he not win the MVP on a Dolphins team that goes all the way? Now maybe Tua does it, but I, I think if you break a record like Calvin Johnson's receiving record, you got a chance to win an MVP. 
This is crazy that I'm even thinking this. Sam Panjanovic is with us from Nesson and Fox Sports. Colorado minus 23 against Colorado State. A night game, and the mood in Boulder right now is just so freaking frenzied. That environment is going to be crazy. I would rather lay it than take it, and you know I'm not a big Colorado guy this year. Um, I'm waiting for them to get super fat. Like in my perfect universe, they win this game. They win like 38 to 10 or something like that. And then the spread comes even lower the following week when they go to Oregon. Oregon should beat the snot out of Colorado. Um, now, for, for disclosure, I also said TCU is going to roll Colorado. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, TCU threw two picks in the red zone, lost by three. Um, Oregon is so much better on offensive and defensive line. And Bo Nix is a legit Heisman contender. That, that'll that be the best team Colorado sees. And if, you, if you're going to let me lay like, man, if I can lay less than 10 with Oregon against Colorado, buddy, bombs away on that yeah. one. And then after that, USC comes in to Boulder. Yep. Yep. So we're going to really find out what they're about. Not, not this week when they're a 23-point favorite. We will know for sure what they are after Oregon and USC. Oregon, before that, is going to take on Hawaii this week. So what do you think? <laughs> yeah. this, are, you this laying, number- are you laying 38? No. I actually – I'll have egg on my face. I actually think Hawaii will fight hard enough at the end um, to stay inside of 38 and a half. The other thing is that win against Texas Tech for Oregon was not easy at all. I think there's going to be points in this game, and we know Timmy Chang wants to push the envelope. He's the head coach yeah. at uh, Hawaii, former quarterback there. He was a really good passer, and he played on some teams that just lit it up. I think that's the goal there. I don't know that they're at that level. I mean, he still has another couple years of recruiting to maybe get what he wants to get there, but I would rather go over. Uh, the number right now is 68, 68 and a half. I'd rather go over there than, than lay 38, but I think, yeah, that's probably like a uh, like a 49-point game for Oregon, and then, you know, you need Hawaii to get basically three touchdowns, and, and I think they can. You know, they've, they've, they've got some decent players. They're on the up and up. They're not great, but they're getting there, and I like their system. I like their pace. I, I'd go over 68-and-a-half. Are you expecting the SEC and Vanderbilt to come into Vegas and whack the Rebels laying four? The market does not clearly. When an SEC team goes on the road, places uh, like UNLV, you know, Alphabet Soup schools, y- you should be laying more points than that. But I, I think there's a built-in respect this year, and and oddsmakers aren't trying to give this away. I, I think they have an understanding that more people are going to look at this game and they're going to want to lay four right. with an SEC school um, rather than take four. But this thing hasn't budged, man. And I talked to a couple guys today that said that. You know, for every for every ticket, you know, every ticket on UNLV, there's a bigger bet. Or sorry, every for every ticket on Vanderbilt, there's a bigger bet on UNLV. Now it's early in the week; not a lot of people have shown their hands yet on a Tuesday. Games on Saturday, but I, I think this number, if anything, is respect for UNLV on Saturday. I might be fooled by the game that was right in front of me last week at the Big House. Um, I think Ball State still plus forty against Michigan, and maybe this is the game they're like. Screw this. We are going to throw the ball a lot, and we're putting up 60, the Wolverines. But I I didn't really see a team. I think they're really good. I didn't see a team that was that interested in playing their guys all game and blowing another team off the field. So 40 is a lot. 
There's no reason to lay that number. You know, most people don't get involved with these spreads, <laughs> the Oregon, Hawaii's, the Michigans, and the uh, Bowling Greens. Yeah. You know, Michigan is – like, here's the thing about Michigan. That might be a top three defense. I think we talked about this last week. I said, you yeah. know, be careful with this Michigan team because they're not going to give up a lot this year. I still wouldn't lay it, but they have not shown the incentive so far to run it up. And maybe that's because these coaches coming in for Harbaugh just don't care. If Harbaugh was there, I think it's different. He would he would basically have his foot on the gas all the way to the ground. But this Michigan defense, I mean, there's a reason it's only given up 10 points in two weeks. Sam, good job. Make sure you get your entry in for the Survivor. Don't don't fall victim I'm like the 31 in, people did the first week. I'm going to put it in tonight, man. Forget there it. I'm not messing around. Thanks, Sam. We appreciate it. Yep. Sam Penny out of it's Nesson and Fox Sports. Five o'clock hours on the way.